0: Hi, my name is Nathan Cook and you're listening to HDR Brews, in other words, high degree researchers drinking coffee. This small show is designed for academics to put their research interests in the spotlight. Please sit, learn and enjoy a cuppa while we do too. Hello and welcome to HDR Brews, in other words, high degree researchers drinking coffee. This episode's researcher is Chris Irwin and Cup of Coffee is brought to you at home. <laughs> I'm having a uh, plunge, just with a little bit of milk inside as well, from Quest down in Burley. What are you drinking, Chris? Uh, I have a uh, an espresso uh,
1: pod. Um, it's uh, I, forget, I think it's the, the Lungo or one of those ones. <laughs> um, so yeah, I usually u- would usually have a doctor's orders because um, uh, I work at Griffiths. so across the road, Ben and I um, often go over and buy one of those uh, doctor's orders coffees. They are the the, the bee's knees. Uh, but
0: today it's homebrew. It is. Uh, it is a very popular coffee shop. That I, I did my um, honours just above it in that um, that E building, and yeah. it was pumping. Like they're open from like six to six, and there's just there's people in scrubs, there's people in like, physios, there's researchers. It's nuts, and the little <coughs> that little kitchen, and it's just flying. Like there's people walking around everywhere. It's really good. They're amazing coffee. I don't
1: know about their food, but um, it seems to go off the shelf pretty quickly as well. But uh, yeah, definitely their coffee, and
0: um, I, I certainly rate it. Yeah, and especially out there at Griffith with so many um you know cafes and things like that, it's hard to uh, to find a good one. <laughs> you, so you need you need to find one
1: that you like and stick, stick to it. Yeah.
0: I'm surprised you're on the Nespresso after doing the research.
1: <laughs> oh, about the actual caffeine content of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not too uh, fussed by the actual caffeine content of coffee. I just like the taste of it. Um, I'm, am I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't say I was a coffee snob, but I, um, I just like coffee. I'll drink instant coffee if I have to, or you know, I'll drink um, pod coffee or cafe or um, coffee. But um, I just really like the taste of coffee. Um, I have about. Six cups a day. So yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm say I'm a bit addicted.
0: <laughs> yeah, you are very notorious for your big your big mug at um, yeah. <laughs> on level two. There is that is that still there? or You got it at home? No, no, I, I left, it, um, left
1: it in the office, and it is it, it creates its own title, um wave that that um, coffee mug. It is a large one, but yeah. um, I have I have a. Four or five of those a day,
0: and um, that, that keeps me going. It's like it's like holding a bowl of soup. It looks good, though. Like, I think I think I'm the same as well. Like, I, you know, yesterday I had a coffee with my dad just at home, and I'm like, yeah, instant coffee. Like, fine. Like, get the day started as long as you got something going. Um, yeah. And it's that's nice to obviously get one which is made by a barista, but you know, we're not. Well, spec- the, the, the challenge with the barista
1: coffee is that you know if it's if it's always made on milk, um, you know. I need to do more exercise to, to cut down um, yeah, or, or, or expend a bit more energy. And uh, if I'm drinking milky coffees all the time, I'm, I'm taking about a bazillion calories a day. So
0: Yeah. Um,
1: which is why I'll only have one cafe or coffee and then try and uh, use sort of instant or plunged coffee for the rest of the day so it's made up mostly of water.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I like that approach. It's smart. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm more more of a
1: dietitian at heart, mate. So you've got to, uh, yeah, got to be uh, thinking thinking about calories.
0: Yeah, well, so hopefully we'll get like a functional milk one day, and you know, and it's just, yeah, brew the coffee that way. Um, So first of all, Chris, what's your area of research?
1: Um, I'd say it's pretty broad, uh, really. Like I, I I wouldn't say I've got one singular area of research. I I probably have um, several areas, Um, and if I was to try. to, I guess, summarise it, it's really, I like doing applied research studies. Um, So, um, I'm not a reductionist scientist. Um, I appreciate that, you know, reduction sort of science is necessary to understand mechanisms, Um, but I'm really uh, someone that that likes applied research, doing studies that I think are of interest to the broader population that might be um, about sort of, I guess, content that um, is everyday sort of uh, content to uh, individuals. Um, so I do lots of things uh, involving nutrition and interactions with nutrition and its impact on performance or behaviour. And, and so that can that can mean things like cognitive performance, it could be driving performance, um, it could be exercise performance, um, but it might also be um, sort of dietary behaviours or subsequent dietary behaviours. Um, so I like... To, to look at sort of interactive effects between nutrition and things
0: and, and, and those outcomes. Yeah, and even that's comes back just to I've got a thought in my head about even like your smoothie studies that you do, like just running your surveys on on to get information about those you know habits that people do, you know, see on the news and they start to <laughs> then use, and it's like, well, what you know, why are you doing this, or what do you put in, or things like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, if you if you think about the general public, um, a lot of them. may not necessarily um, appreciate or understand, you know, the research, um, but they they understand, um, I guess, things that are relevant to them in their everyday life, and and that's the type of research I like to do, research that is likely to resonate with the everyday person um, rather than just, um, you know, the the scientists and the sort of researchers um, alone. I I like the public being able to understand research at a level that is important to them, you know, what happens in their everyday life, you know, things like caffeine and alcohol, um, things like driving and, and, you know, their ability to um, exercise and perform well. Um, So looking at sort of how nutrition has an impact on all of those things is probably, um, you know, where I I really sort of have interest.
0: And especially if you, you know, if, um, you know, obviously you find findings all the time with the types of studies that you're doing it would be great to have a you know a huge headline one day you know you know, vit, you know nutrition effects driving you know that's something that you, you see those captures and that's what really gets people's attention and then obviously brings um, attention to yourself and your team and and the research which is really good to have as well yeah i think you know you, you do need
1: to um, try and translate the information that you collect in research to the public um, you know that's the whole point you know what you don't want to do research that doesn't Go anywhere, or sits in the top drawer of a you know of a desk somewhere, or, or is only available to um, you know the, the elite scientists in the world. Mm. Um, I, I wanted to do research that uh, really resonates with the, the public domain, um, and, and some, you know it's something of interest mm. to them. And, uh, and yeah, you know part of that is being able to do the research and then be uh, being able to translate that to um, you know the everyday person mm. in a way that they can understand that. That matters to them, and um, yeah, part of that's doing it through sort of news reports, and, and, and uh, that can be great. Um, sometimes it can sort of go in the opposite direction because they can often misconstrue um, some of the things that you, you, you do in research. Um, but anything to disseminate the research out to the broader population.
0: And so, so could you please talk us through your your research pathway from from beginning until now?
1: Sure, um, it's been, it's been a, uh, a bit of a roller coaster pathway, really. and or, There's lots of different sort of paths that I've, that I've, I've taken. Um, I, I never um, imagined being a researcher when I you know, left high school. I wanted to be an engineer. Um, and I, I went and actually studied for a year at the University of Queensland in engineering. I thought I was going to be a civil engineer. Um, and it took me a year um, of doing engineering at UQ to realize I didn't want to be an engineer anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so I left, and, and stupidly enough, or I'll say stupidly, but you, I have this philosophy that you learn something from no matter what you do. Right? It, it doesn't matter what path you take; you're going to learn something. But I, I left that um, engineering degree after a year, and then went and got a job in an engineering firm, working as a, um, a, a drafter, um, a cadet drafter. So I was doing sort of you know planning and, and things on, on a computer screen, and I did that for three and a half years, and I was like. Oh, wow what am I doing, why am I doing this, um, it wasn't a passion, um, I, don't, I guess it was more about just earning money at the time, um, and, and after three and a half years of that, I went, no, I'm going back to uni, um, and I went, went back to uh, uni, that's when I started at Griffith, and uh, I did uh, an undergraduate degree in exercise science, um, and then did a, uh, another degree at the back end of that in education, and um, I wanted to be a teacher, a high school teacher. And um, I still haven't had any sort of idea of research or you know, that sort of path yet. Um, and then I finished those degrees and, and went and worked as a high school teacher for five years. So I did a lot of traveling, um, worked over in London, um, traveled over to Canada and the US. I you know, was teaching in different places around the world, um, came back to Australia and, and got a head of department job um, uh, for PE. Um, and again, uh, it was about two years into that and I this isn't what I want to do, like, why well, am I still doing this? I, I really enjoyed teaching and I, I really um, you know, love the idea of sort of trying to, I guess, translate knowledge across to a, a different population, um, but it still wasn't a passion. And I, I thought, you know, what else do I want to do? And i would become, I guess, a little bit interested in nutrition at that point in time. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm going to go back to uni and do a masters, and I went back to Griffith, um, and this was back in 2008, uh, and I did uh, my masters in dietetics, and almost within a couple of weeks of starting my masters, I went, I want to do research in nutrition. It just happened, and I don't know how that happened, but it might have been the people that I had engaged with in nutrition. Um, yeah, I met um, some of the um, some of the lecturers and. and it just resonated with me at that point. I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to do research in this area. And so from there, almost, like I said, within a couple of weeks of starting my master's, I was like, I'm going to do my PhD um, once I finish this master's. And so I did my two years of of master's um, in dietetics, graduated and went straight into my PhD um, uh, the very next year. So from 2010, um, I did my PhD looking at, um, alcohol uh, and its impact on um, cognition and uh, human behaviour, uh, mostly uh, in and around sort of driving performance, so trying to understand um, alcohol impaired driving, but other factors that I guess you you, you can put into sort of context around it, alcohol intake, so things like hydration, um, and, and uh, I was interested in what impacts hydration and the interaction with alcohol had on on human behaviour and performance, in particular driving performance. Um, so I did three and a half years, roughly, of, of PhD, graduated um, with my uh, doctorate and then um, got a job at Griffith um, uh, straight after that and have been working there uh, ever since. Um, so that was in about 2014 um, and I've been uh, uh, a, a staff member in the, in the nutrition dietetics department um, ever since and I've uh, been doing research in very similar areas um, you know, around sort of alcohol and hydration um, but also looking at caffeine um, so I did as part of my masters I did a, a research study looking at caffeine withdrawal and uh, its impact on and, and then acute caffeine intake and its impact on uh, exercise performance um, so I still had sort of this interest in sport and exercise Um, and uh, uh, that's what I did for my master's research but it it really lit the fire for wanting to continue to do research and sort of I've done
0: it ever since. Yeah that's awesome it's nice to see that people can you know have um, you know that realization you're like oh you know what this isn't for me you know what's next like what and it's not obviously you know circumstances are different for everyone but it's fully okay for someone to be like no not for me stop cold turkey and then move like what's the next thing and try to find that so i'm really yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think um you know. often um, i hear people say that you know they've wasted time or you know like they you know they've done something for a couple of years and they're like oh i'm just wasting my time doing that that's, that's not the philosophy that i take i, I think you learn something from every, everything you do um, and you can you can learn skills that are, are transferable um you can also learn you know, just about life in general, and, and um, you know part of that you take with you wherever you go, and um, I guess it makes you a, it makes you a better um, human, but it also makes you a better researcher because you understand some sort of the nuances of different sort of elements of life. Um, so I never ever have this philosophy that something's a waste of time. I think you learn something from everything you, that you do, and and you sort of try and hold on to the things that are great. Don't worry about the things that were not good. Um, but hold
0: on to the things that were good and, and take them with you. Yeah, no, I do really resonate with that in saying, like like you said, it's not a waste of time. It's like it was important to you or it was what you were just doing at the time and then you kind of said, oh, well, this isn't for me. Like, you've got to try things before you know if it's good for you or not. It's like, Precisely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, how, how, many, how many of you, you know, have,
1: have tried something that you, you think, oh, um, you know, I don't know what this is all about. And it's not until you do it you actually realise whether you like it or not. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with not liking it because you, you're learning from that experience. So, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And so what are you currently working on? So you said you've got a few areas of, you know, not necessarily linear research. You've got caffeine, you've got smoothies, you've got exercise, sleep, everything. So what's <laughs> um, what's what are you working down on at the moment? Mate, I've
1: got my hands in multiple pies at the moment, so, um, you yeah, know, I'm doing... Quite a number of research projects. Um, I'd say the one that I'm, I'm sort of leaning the most at the moment. So often I work with um, you know, a number of collaborators. Um, the one that I'm leading at the moment is a study looking at um, the influence of different caffeine sources on um, on cognitive performance. So you know there's some thought that um, you know we become a little bit accustomed to consuming certain types of caffeine. Um, you know I'm a, I'm a big coffee drinker. Other people don't touch coffee. They might you know, consume tea or they might have Red Bull or, you know, energy drinks. Others might use capsules or no-dose tablets. Or, um, and so we come with, uh, I guess, preconceived ideas around, you know, how that caffeine source is going to influence our performance. You know, some people say, oh, when I drink coffee, I don't really feel an effect. But when I drink Red Bull, man, I'm off the charts. Like, I'm, you know, I'm buzzed as and I can perform really well. And so they had this preconceived idea, even though the caffeine dose that they might receive might be identical across the two sources. And so we're looking at a study um, that, that, that's, I guess, looking at different um, administration of different caffeine sources. Um, so we've got ca- uh, coffee, we've got um, uh, energy drink, and we've got capsules, and then we've got these energy strips that you in your mouth that dissolve in your mouth. All have this identical doses of caffeine, but obviously a different sort of administration route. Um, and we're going to try and examine I guess people's expectation and um, the caffeine source on uh, cognitive performance and driving performance as well. And i just... So that's one, that's one study, that, that's yeah. the one study I'm sort of mainly leading, um, but I'm also collaborating with a, a, a bunch of others. Um, so I do some work with uh, a group down in Sydney um, known as the, the Lambert Initiative for the Cannabinoid um, Therapeutics. So they do Um, cannabis-based research um, uh, and uh, there's a lot of hype at the moment around um, cannabidiol, CBD Um, and uh, and we do some research down there looking at um, THC and and CBD and its impact on performance including cognitive performance but also driving performance and as part of my PhD um, I developed a bit of expertise in driving simulation Um, so I was able to create driving simulation scenarios um, and adopt different scenarios for different research projects. And so I've developed the um, driving scenarios for the research that they're doing down um, at the Lambert. And uh, so they're they're sort of doing that. One of my former PhD students, um, um, she's uh, she's down there as a postdoc at the moment doing um, that research. And so I'm still collaborating um, with them. Um, and then yeah, we've got a bunch of other um, research happening as well. We've got a, um, a meta-analysis um, currently underway that's looking at um, salt education uh, programs to reduce uh, or the impact of, of different sort of salt interventions, salt education interventions, I should say, on um, salt reduction. Uh, so I'm collaborating with a, a former PhD student of mine, um, uh, Saman Kalesi. Um, he's at the Central Queensland University Um, So, you know, I I try and keep in touch with all of the people that have come through and and, and done research with me in the past and and, and continue to keep those relationships going. It's so valuable to to work with people and and continue on research paths that that are different, which is probably why my research um, is quite varied.
0: Yeah, no, that's really cool. I love hearing all the, like... It's like they come in and they're like the prodigy, and then you go, then they go away, and then you go, yeah, well, I can still work with you. Like, don't forget me. I'm still the boss. Like, I'm the mentor. Right.
1: Like, sometimes yeah. I think they're, they're well, not that I think. I think they are better than what I am as a researcher. Like, I, you know, I value those relationships so much because um, those individuals have gone on to be, um, you know, excellent researchers themselves, and. Um, they teach me things, um, you know, in the early days when they're a PhD student, yeah, I was showing them things and, and teaching them sort of, um, you know, about research. But I think um, and certainly in those two cases with, with Ducky and, and with Sammy, um, they've, they've surpassed me in terms of their research prowess and um, I, uh, I'm learning things from them all the time.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I love that, and like, uh, makes me really excited to complete mine, and then have this huge network of people that I can go, "Hey, remember me? Like, let's do this." <laughs> that's really cool. Now I have got a few questions. Um, you, uh-huh. you made sure you got so you got all the driving simulator stuff like that, that I ordered. <laughs> 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 yes. Always computers. So those yeah. are the
1: computers. They are down there, and they are sensational. <laughs>
0: Good. Glad. Glad to hear that. Um, the CBD stuff. So that's really interesting. I know I got mentioned at the SDA conference last year. Um, have you heard of a product product called Beam? No, I haven't. No. Yeah, it's a huge US. Um, I guess it's like it must be like a drop formula, like a um, you take a few drops, and they sponsor all the uh, the high intensity CrossFit athletes. So, the, right. so like Tia Claire Toomey, who's the Australian women's champion and world champion, she, she's sponsored by them, and they you know say, well, we take Beam and stuff, and it's all like you know DTHC'd. Cannabis oil and stuff like that. So it's you're definitely like on the right path in certain, in knowing that um, it's massive. And I, I know you're looking at looking at it for golfers potentially as well. Or yeah, so we, we've
1: got a couple of studies. We've got a survey currently underway to try and understand who who's using it. From um, in particular with golfers, there's been a lot of um, uh, high performance golfers, elite golfers that are starting to um, pop up on the. Uh, I guess the um, In the media, a little bit, mostly on things like Instagram and Facebook and and Twitter, um, promoting CBD-based products. So Mark Leishman's one of them. um, You know, there's a Bubba Watson um, indicating that they're using CBD for uh, whatever purpose. We're trying to understand why they're using it. Um, I guess the challenge we've got currently uh, with CBD is that there's there's not a lot of research um, to in humans to indicate that it's actually a performance uh, provides any performance benefit or recovery benefit. Uh, people anecdotally are indicating that they're using it for those purposes um, there's there's a bunch of research we just um, had a paper accepted actually it was that was um, led by Danielle um, McCartney um, it, it's going to be in sports medicine um, that's talking about the potential um, for CBD in athletic performance um, so that's that's only been accepted recently that'll be um, that'll be out um, shortly um, but um, I guess that what it indicates in that paper and what we tried to get across was that the current research is done in sort of early models, you know, rodent models, in cell studies um, to try and understand the mechanisms. Uh, and there is potential for it in some aspects, but there's no human studies that have actually looked at this. So there's real opportunity there. Um, and given the, as you mentioned, you know, the, the athletes that are using it, the companies that are coming out, it's a huge industry. Um, And I did hear recently that um, there may be um, changes to the laws around nutraceuticals being allowed in Australia. So at the moment, um, CBD is a prescribed drug. It's it's a Schedule 4 drug. Um, There's talk that it might be dropped um, from that Schedule 4 ranking uh, to a lower ranking, which will allow the nutraceutical products to be available in the market um, over the counter.
0: Yeah, wow. So, oh, well, I'd imagine then that those products that I mentioned, like Beam, wouldn't be able to come to Australia. Is that right?
1: Um, so products, products at the moment can come to Australia, but it needs to be prescribed by a physician. Um, so you can't actually get access to it, where you shouldn't be able to get access to it um, mm. you know, without um, yeah, a prescription. Uh, but that that's likely to change in, in, the, you know, in the near future with um, changes in the policy. Um, certainly a lot of the athletes that are currently using it are getting uh, nutraceutical products from, from overseas. So they're, you know, they're, they're either in the US or uh, in um, in Europe where um, THC
0: is actually legal. Um, yeah, so, yeah, wow. Yeah. And then you mentioned the strips. I haven't tried them. Have you tried the Revy strips?
1: I have, yeah. So I, I, one of the um, uh, other philosoph- philosophies I guess I always abide by in research is that um, – if I am asking people to do a research study, I have to have done it myself. Um, so I normally won't um, um, you know, start a study and start collecting data. And so I've, I've gone through the protocol myself because I want to know what it's like, um, you know, what sort of burden you're placing on participants. So in that case, um, you know, have. I have I've done that study and I was one of the participants um, and uh, I had the caffeine strips. Um, they're, they're interesting, um, I, I would have to say that it's, you know, it's a, it's a different form of, of, of getting caffeine. Um, I'm, you know, given that it was something that was unusual, um, you know, putting a caffeine strip on your tongue and letting it dissolve, um, I didn't really have any expectations around how it would influence me, whereas, you know, I'm so used to drinking coffee. Um, I know how coffee um, has an influence on me. Um, that. Yeah, I, I had, a, I guess, a bit of a bias towards what coffee would do, whereas I didn't really have any expectations for the, for the strips. Um, I'd say that, you know, it, it's certainly a um, it's certainly a product that might be useful for, for some athletes, um, you know, if they don't want to drink something that, you know, they don't really want the carbohydrate or that, you know, they don't want the fluid volume, um, they getting caffeine in. Um, Without having sort of large volumes of fluid or eating something, um, yeah, you know, can dissolve pretty quickly in the mouth. One thing it did do though
0: was stick to the the roof of my mouth, so <laughs> I had to keep l- licking the pot of my mouth. And yeah, I've got to um, I've got to give them a go. They're in my uh, cupboard, so from the SDA conference, I've got a, hopefully they're still um, you know, edible. But I have to ch- check them out. So yeah, and um, oh well, yeah, something like caffeine. Uh, there's so much. Like, like you said, there's no dos and there's revies and there's coffee and then there's tea like there's just some red bulls there's a huge amount of you know different um intake i i guess yeah. like um like ways to get it in and do you think that'll be the same for the the c b d stuff or do you think it has to be taken you know more more drop wise than what they're kind of doing at the moment
1: um well we're actually um so we, we've got another study um, currently underway looking at um uh, it's a systematic review and meta-analysis of, um, it, it's not CBD per se, but it's THC, so it's CBD is another product within cannabis, but um, we're looking at different routes of administration for the impact of THC, and uh, we think it would be much the same as CBD, so we're looking at whether it's vape, but whether, it, um, whether it's um, orally administered, administered via drops or um, you know, in food. Um, versus smoking. So there's you know, obviously the different administration routes that you can use. And so we're trying to understand whether there is a different um, impact of using the different administration route uh, and its impact on, um, on subsequent sort of cognitive performance. With CBD, um, it's interesting because you've got CBD receptors all over your body. Um, and um, you know the way that you sort of administer it, I guess, Determines how quickly it gets into the blood. Um, so if it's going from an oral through an oral route, it's going to go through the sort of digestive tract to be absorbed. Uh, and whether you've then consumed something on an empty stomach versus on a um, you know a full stomach um, will change gastric emptying rate, and so therefore that how quickly it sort of gets absorbed through the small intestine versus the stomach. Um, you know, versus something that like caffeine, if you take it in a strip, it can get absorbed through the oral cavity, uh, you know, the mucosal cavity in the mouth, and and get quickly into the blood without having to go through um, the digestive processes. So, you know, I think relevant administration is a really interesting sort of aspects and contextual sort of component to look at the, not just, um, you know, CBD, but, you know, I think lots of different types of drug uh, yeah. or
0: medications. yeah you know. Products. Yeah. That's awesome. I really like that you do try um, all the things that, you know, before you uh, do them and be saying in our lectures years ago, you're like, yeah, I was, you know, I don't, um, take my hat off, you know, to vegetarians. You know, I was vegetarian for five years and I did that. And and then, um, you know, so you, you, especially like when you were teaching us about, you know, when you become a dietitian, you can't just be telling people, you know, just stop eating or, you know, eat more because it's, you need to understand what, how that feels for that person as well as, you know, what it's like to... And that's what makes, I would say, better dietitians when they kind of know... I guess what they're prescribing, like you know, eat this or you know, if you, say if they are FODMAP, it's like saying, well, don't eat pasta. Like that's really hard because everyone loves pasta, like.
1: <laughs> so, exactly, uh, I yeah. think you know. And again, there's so much to to gain from that learned experience, right? That real experiential sort of process of having to go through something yourself, you develop empathy and sympathy for you know what's required to actually adhere to something. And um, you know, if you look at most dietitians, it's a bit of a A bit of a stereotype that you know, most dietitians are young, thin females. um, Never had a weight issue in their life. Um, You know, when they're dealing with people that are overweight, obese, telling them, "Oh, just do this," um, you know, having having never had to experience that themselves, it could be challenging then to you know, when you're just providing that advice and they're not understanding the, the implications or the challenges associated with that, um, I guess, you know, you, you lose a little bit of that recall that you, you should really have um, and that empathy. One of the things I try and do in my teaching, um, so I teach a course called Nutrition, um, is really try and adopt that experiential learning type approach and get, getting students to have to go through something and learn from that experience will give them a whole lot more in terms of their, you know, their arsenal around um, what that what they're able to do following that because they've they learned from that experience and know how either difficult it is or what can be done to um, overcome the challenges.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. It's a good, really good approach. I love it. So, so what's next? Uh, this is a really tricky question that I kind of I always put it in there in terms of. Mm-hmm you know, what's next for your research, but obviously things depend on outcomes and results of stuff, which everyone's kind of pointed out to me. But I still want to still want to ask it, so, like, what what are you thinking about in terms of research is next?
1: Um, you yeah, know, I mean, I'm always thinking about research. You know, this is one of the things when you become a researcher, you, you get addicted to it, and, and you're always trying to think of what's, what's the next thing. And, um, like I said, I, I like to have my, my hands in, you know, being different sort of pies really, and, and, and try to be doing lots of research. Um, I'll always have, um, you know, research that's happening at a desktop level. So, uh, you know, I'm not a keyboard researcher by any stretch. Like I like to actually be in the lab, collecting data and and being involved in that. There's lots of researchers that sit at a keyboard and they've never entered a lab ever before. Um, I never wanted to be one of those researchers. I wanted to be someone that got engaged and actually started to collect the data and was always involved in that process. So even when I've got students collecting data, I'll I'll try and get in the lab with them because I think you learn so much from from that experience in itself that, you know, the difficulties of collecting data. And so um, that doesn't mean that I'm not always doing um, keyboard research as well. I've always got something on the go, whether it's a meta-analysis or a systematic review that's happening. Um, So I'm trying to think of um, new reviews that can be done. And um, one of the things I'm um, currently interested in is... um, really focusing in and around sleep at the moment and sleep disruptions. Mm -hmm. Um, I think um, we have got a real problem in society around um, sleep disruption Um, and and trying to understand the interactions between sleep disruption and some nutritional elements, Um, how we can either overcome that or or factors that might actually exacerbate Mm -hmm. sleep disruption. So, we're doing a couple of reviews. I've got in my mind a couple of reviews that I want to do around alcohol interactions with sleep. Um, And hopefully, I've got a PhD student um, about to sort of commence um, that will take that on. But that's that's an idea I had for a little while that I want to do that that type of research. Um, But in terms of actual in the lab research, we're about to sort of embark, um, got, again, another PhD student, John Craven, is um, about to embark on um, some work looking at sleep restriction uh, in combination with, um, I guess, nutrition um, recovery um, for glycogen restoration and, and subsequent um, exercise performance. So, again, taking some of the elements that we've, we're interested in from various, I guess, aspects and, and bringing them together and looking at interactions
0: are you going to be uh, participating in that Jono study? <laughs> that uh, seems I, pretty uh, intense. Well, yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's a difficult one. So I, feel like I always try and participate in studies that I do, but um, what we want for that one is good cyclists. And I would classify myself as a good cyclist. So um, <laughs> I'm more really than happy to be a pilot sort of you know, participant if when if we're going through um, understanding the methodology that we've you know, employed. Uh, and trying to understand um, things that we might need to modify to improve the methodological sort of process or the protocol. Uh, so I'm always happy to do that sort of stuff. But in terms of actually being a participant, probably not an elite cyclist, so we um, <laughs> need to probably uh, <laughs> just stay on the sidelines for that one.
0: Get one, get one of the lodies at home and do some practising. Well, <laughs> That's good. Well, I do cycle, I do cycle yeah. a lot.
1: And I've got a um, you know, bike in the, in the lounge room here that i that I ride. Um, every day and I do about 40k's a day but um, I wouldn't say that I was a link um, I, I probably put me down a couple of pegs to um, yeah, I just sort of sit on the cycle
0: and turn the legs over <laughs> that's good No, it's, it's definitely uh, I haven't got into it yet I'm, I'm more of a runner but I'm definitely keen to, um, to give it a go like I've got a I've just got a, f- a fixed bicycle at the moment so it's not um as fast and fluent as a few of my other friends and, and you guys oh, as well.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things, um, and I've certainly noticed this, when, when you're a researcher or you're an academic, you spend a lot of time sitting down and, and um, I don't like that. I want to make sure that I'm you know, staying active. and uh, So I try and do something every day, like seven days a week, I'll, I'll do something in the form of exercise. It's normally riding yeah. on a bike, but um, you know, sometimes it'll just be a walk. I think you know just moving is important. Um, uh, particularly where you spend a lot of your day sitting. Yeah, 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 usually
0: in my breaks at the moment, I, I'll stand and eat, like I'll eat a breakfast or lunch or just to cause I'm sitting all day. And it's like, like yeah. I said, like I'm in the chair at the computer doing a bit of desktop stuff, but it's good to, yeah, stand up and move. <laughs> and Definitely keep doing Yeah, yeah. And so I'd like you to tell us about, you know, one of your favourite papers of yours that you've done and then maybe something you've you've uh, been reading that you think is um enjoyable at the moment
1: sure okay um, i would say probably um one of my favorite papers i'd say probably um, one of my favorite ones was um, one we did a few years ago and i had an honest student um, who was involved in this and it was looking at um simulated driving we were looking at distracted driving and different forms of distraction um, so we I uh, developed a, a driving scenario um, and, include, and the distractions we had were um, just drinking a bottle of water or drinking a bottle of water and texting versus eating a Subway sandwich um, while, and, and having a drink um, and you had to drive this sort of route that went for about 15 kilometres, you had to eat this six-inch Subway sandwich while you were driving um, <laughs> and we're looking at what impact, you know, eating had while we were driving. And, it was actually quite interesting, um, that study. Um, and again, I was a participant. Um, I hate Subway, to be honest. I, I just don't like the smell of the Subway. Um, but, you know, I sort of put all that aside, jumped in the car and had my Subway sandwich while I was driving. And what we found from that study was um, that the eating was, was just as impairing as texting. But if you, if you just drank out of a water bottle, like just drinking water out of a water bottle, that didn't impair driving performance at all. But the texting... And the, and the eating
0: were almost identical in terms of um, driving impairment. Wow, that's crazy. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh, and that's like again coming to what you said about you know applicable questions that can be transferred to society. You know, like people are always on their phones or they're you know if I if I go to my partner's house, it's a it's a thirty minute drive. I'll definitely have a sip of water. You know, or yeah. um, so. But
1: don't eat. Don't eat subway. No, I won't be eating
0: subways. No. <laughs> I also need like an apple. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah.
1: This this is the type of research that I really like doing. Like I said, it's applied. It's stuff that you know people do on a daily basis, and, and just knowing what impact that has, um, I think, is really important. But trying to, I guess, translate that into um, behavioural change is the is the challenging task. How do we how do we get people to stop using you know their phone while they're driving? I mean, how do we get people to stop inking while they're driving
0: if we know that it, it causes driving impairments? So yeah. And then a, something you've been reading recently.
1: Um, something I've been reading, I'd say um, I, 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 I do like, um, there's a, a paper that recently came out um, in the British Journal of Nutrition. Um, it was talking about physiological responses to maximal eating in, in male participants. Essentially, it was looking at um, uh, when they gave participants an opportunity to eat as much as they like, um, and they gave them pizza to eat um, so they could eat as much pizza as they liked. And they wanted to look at the one, how much they ate when they were, and it was dependent on the um, instructions that they provided. They said um, in, there were two trials like, from memory. And I'm, I'm going from memory here. Um, that they had to, they could eat as much as they like or eat until you're comfortably full. So, you know, two sort of slightly different instructions and then gave them ad limited access to pizza, and then they measured how much they ate, um, so the number of calories they, they consumed, but also looked at other physiological responses, so things like appetite-regulating hormones, you know, ghrelin, those sorts of things. Um, and so that was a paper I really enjoyed reading that um, was only recently published.
0: That's awesome. And what, do you know what, what did they find? Um, I can't remember if I thought yeah. <laughs> That's all right,
1: yeah. <laughs> when you're reading so much, like, you know, things go in and things go out so quickly. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: I honestly,
0: for the lot of me, can't remember what they
1: said. I know they ate a lot of pizza, or there were some individuals that
0: ate a lot of pizza. Yeah. Yeah, I actually had pizza for dinner last night. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I know what you mean. It definitely, like, especially, I don't know if it, like, I haven't read it or anything, but was it with athletes or any, any was it was just normal population or?
1: No, I think it was just um, males who were um, – they would have been um, just recreational sort of, you know, uh, uh, not, not athletes per se, but just rec- recreationally active um, individuals. I, I, can't, I can't quite remember. Um, yeah. when I mean, you're reading so much research and you're also doing so much research, you, you know, things come in and things go out all the time. Um, and sometimes you only remember snippets, which is, again, why it's so important to be able to translate that information in a way that is memorable um and, and i'm not that's not discounting how uh, you know the quality of the study it's just that you know when you're doing lots and you're reading lots of different research it, it can actually be challenging to retain that information um and so the the way it's delivered and the message is so important to make sure that it, it, it does stay with people
0: yeah definitely i want to i definitely want to try and learn is there any tips that tricks of the trade to retain information better. Probably sleeping is a good one, I reckon, so i have to get a bit more of that. Uh, The very last question, Chris, how was your coffee? It was good, actually. Yeah,
1: I don't mind. Like I said, I'm not too much of a coffee snob. I enjoy just the taste of coffee, mate, so you can serve me up coffee that that, looks like bath water or something like that, but, you know, I'll normally drink it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got the slash out of ten here. What was that this morning? No, sorry. What was that out of ten this morning? Out of
1: ten, I'd say I'd give it a seven
0: out of ten. Yeah, yeah, I reckon I'm about the same. I just, I've, I only recently found the plunger in Mum's, um, you know, back of the cupboard while you're at home looking at things. Um, and no, it's, it's, it's a good way to get it. But I think I might. It's my birthday next week, and I might get a, uh, um, like an Italian one. The like the nice. yeah, the you know the one on the stove. So I'm pretty keen yes. for that, and then hopefully I'll be having tens all the time. <laughs>
1: I have I have heard that for um, uh, coffee in particular that um, when when you uh, when you're purchasing or when you're making coffee, it's the size of the coffee grounds that are important to the flavour and and um, the sensory um, components. Um, and so, if you grind it too much, if you grind coffee um, beans down too much, you lose a, a bit of that sort of um, uh, that element. And so, having larger coffee grounds is actually um, better.
0: Yeah, actually, look. Last week, I ha- I pulled out your textbook, the food science textbook, and it, there's like two, three pages on coffee. And I was in there, and it was talking about that <laughs> stuff as well. And I was like, I remember our lecture on this. This is good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It was cool to have like okay, you know, all the textbooks I've purchased aren't for. Uh, just for for looks, so it was good. do i
1: just sit on the shelf and never get you looked at again.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So thanks again for your time this morning, Chris. I do uh, really appreciate it.
1: More than more than uh, welcome, mate. that's great to talk to you, uh, and uh, I think you know what you're doing is excellent. I think uh, you know just changing the people uh, is uh, is is one element of um, of research. But you, you, like I said, you learn lots from lots of different people and. Um yeah, even if you take away a small thing, it's valuable. So yeah, it's very nice to talk to you. Thanks, Chris. No worries.